Welcome to Finding Your Epic. This is a show where senior level women share their epic moments, telling the story behind those light bulb experiences where they learned a powerful skill that shaped their career progression. Hosted by me, Jacqueline Frost, founder of Elevate Talent. Today, we are talking with Amanda Scott. Amanda is Managing Director for Global Mergers and Acquisitions at Willis Tower Watson, as well as being the Chief Executive of Mike's Mates, a mental health charity she set up in honour of a good friend. She is one of the most efficient and effective people I know. And over the years, when she shared some of her experiences with me, I have to say they somewhat surprised me. She's living testament that we can achieve anything if we set our minds to it. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you without a doubt. And I know there is a story that you would like to start with. So please, over to you. Thank you. So this is a story I've only told twice before, but I thought that you might want to hear it. There once was a child in kindergarten. And when the class would read from a storybook out loud, this child would quietly wait. And when the book was passed to her, she wouldn't speak a word. She'd look down and pass it along. But she knew how to read, and she loved to read. This same child reached fifth grade. And when the class would line up at the front of the classroom to recite the multiplication tables, this child would again wait quietly. When it was her turn to respond to six times six, she'd look down and she'd just quietly return to her seat because she couldn't give the answer. But she knew multiplication and she loved math. And when it came time to go to university, she studied medicine and mathematics, interning in forensics and actuarial science, nice, quiet career choices. However, when it was time to ask a client a question about benefit calculations or some incorrect data, her hand and voice would shake when she had to call him. But she loved her clients and she wanted to help them, so she called. Then one day, she was getting her MBA, and the professor called on her to read her essay on microeconomics to the class because he thought she gave a good answer. And at the age of 25, She went up to the front of the classroom, shaking. She looked down and she said she couldn't do it and started back to her seat. But this time, the professor stopped her. He stopped her and said, if you learn nothing else in business school, you need to learn to speak in front of people. And then he asked, what drives you? And she responded, helping people. I like to help people. And he said, We can teach you brilliant models, perspectives, and inspire great ideas. But if you cannot share your ideas with the world, you will not help people. You are doing yourself and those around you a disservice. She worked on getting up in front of people, small speaking parts and presentations, raising her hand in class, until as a valedictorian, she stood in front of her whole business school, friends, and family, and gave a speech. She realized that with her drive to help people, she could learn to talk. Several years of coaching, presentations, and a lot of courage, and I stand before you, vulnerable and exposed. And even today, after all these years, it can still be hard. 
from the moment I was asked to do the podcast today, I've been thinking about this moment and what it would mean to share my perspectives in front of you. But I'm here, and I'm here because this is important. And I'm telling you this story to inspire you to work on something that's been preventing you from reaching your goals, because this is the time and the opportunity to do that. Now, I just want to repeat what I said at the very start about you, Amanda, was that when you share these experiences with me, I have to say I did not see this coming at all when we were talking about this a while back. And again, to repeat, you are living testament that we can achieve anything if we set our minds to, because this was something that had happened to you from a very early age. This was something that you'd almost gotten the habit of not having to say anything. And so reversing that habit, it, it's not just the fact that it, 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 you know, you were shaky and didn't want to, you then formed a habit and you also formed ways of getting around it as well. I mean, I'm astonished actually that the school teacher let you go, not answer six times six and <laughs> let you sit down. I would think you've got much nicer school teachers than I had at that stage. You would have been yelled at and told to answer. So what's so fascinating though, as I said, is that your your step process? I thought was absolutely fantastic, and that's one main thing that we talk about a lot at, at Elevate on the program. Is, is that it? You know, it's small steps, one step at a time. I think we can put too much pressure on ourselves to go from zero to kind of hero and fix something within ourselves or work on something ourselves and expect a quick response, so a quick result. So. Take me a bit back through your your process and also, you know, what you think was the underlying cause of your reluctance to speak up. My underlying reluctance, maybe I'll start there. I think it was just a lack of confidence and not wanting to be seen. I just was happy being quiet. I didn't quite understand the reason and why I needed to speak up. And I think that once I realized the why and that my ideas would never go anywhere, that's when I started to find motivation around it. Because to your point, I was working pretty well around it. <laughs> so there wasn't a why, there wasn't a need. But then when I realized that this actually had been holding me back and there was an opportunity to learn this skill, I think it was absolutely time to take that challenge. But to your point, it is one step at a time. So learning how to pick up the phone to call someone, writing the script out so that I could ask a very simple question, learning to have a voice in a conversation and then in a meeting and then speaking up in a group and then a bigger group in a boardroom. It is those small wins one at a time that add up and create confidence. It, you don't go from being terrified to call someone to standing on a stage in front of people. It really does take a lot of practice. And maybe just a fun, a fun piece of this is I, I did step out of my comfort zone pretty significantly to learn this. So I signed up for a 12 week musical theater program to build confidence and skills in presenting in front of other people. And as part of that, I actually had to sing in front of an audience and it was absolutely terrifying, but it was the end of the program and we'd practiced quite a bit and I did it. And that moment has actually been a foundation and a reflection point for me because when I go on stage, I often think, well, it can't be worse than having to sing in front of everyone. <laughs> so um, it is just building up little confidences. Yes, yeah, step by step. There are two words you used a few times, actually. One was practice. Learning a new skill takes practice. There is this 
myth out there that people can suddenly learn a new skill, be brilliant at it overnight. I think it's discussed in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where he talks about 10,000 strokes or 10,000 hits, isn't it, for tennis players. And you have to take that 10,000 times of doing something and put it into the corporate world and realize it's not suddenly going to, you're not going to suddenly get this new skill overnight. You're going to have to put in the hours to get it. So the practice is really, really key. Taking action and practicing is so important. The other word you used was, you know, maybe think of what you're talking about was preparation. You know, fortune favors the prepared mind. And I think we all have, there is this, another, there's a second myth out there that certain personality types are better in the corporate world. So if you are a quick thinker, that is better somehow. And it's not just, there are certain circumstances where, where being a quick thinker is good. But there are other times where being a quick thinker is not so good. You know, it needs the time to think that be prepared. And so there is that that saying fortune favours the prepared mind because when you are going to meetings, you can sit and think of questions you want to ask. You can be prepared. And I think that's a great skill that anybody actually should think about doing. I know that there are people that, that I coach that uh, who are very quick on their feet and they rely on it too much actually and it can sometimes trip them up. And you can't unsay something you've already said, but you can go back and say something when you've had an idea after the event, you can go back, you can then then come back on that. So uh, when it comes to that, we're talking about that, that's kind of a bit of learning preferences in there and learning style we're talking about. What are your thoughts onto your styles and preferences that you think have had an impact on your career? I think something that is important is knowing where you add value and building your confidence around that. So something that I think a lot about is I am never going to be the smartest person in the room or the most successful or have the best ideas. And I think that having that respect and that knowledge that so many people will add value and be with you on that journey is important. So I think there's a lot of respect that's embedded. And I think respecting people and having confidence to recognize that they are amazing at things that you might not be amazing at is important. I also think recognizing what you're really good at is important too. So something I'm quite proud of is I can usually see solutions when other people see problems. I love figuring out where the real root of the problem is. I love coming up with ideas on how we fix it, keeping people forward looking. And I think that empathy is also quite powerful. When I love listening, I can't help but be empathetic and really try to understand where people are coming from and ask lots of questions around it. And it's interesting you talk about empathy and listening because again, in one of the conversations we've had over, over the time, is that you mention about the fact that you are an introvert and a lot of your challenges have been overcoming the natural introversion that you have as, as your, as your style, as your preference. But it always makes you smile when people talk about being an introvert because over the years of coaching, I've been coaching now for almost 15 years and I've heard the same statement made or same question asked of me when clients have said, oh, we know what my problem is, don't you? And I've thought to myself, genuinely, I don't know where this is going. So <laughs> being a coach, you don't direct, you listen and you, and you, and you hear and you just ask insightful questions. 
And so my answer was always, mm, I'm not, I'm not sure which way you're going with this. Why don't you, why don't you share what you think your problem is? And the answer's been, well, I'm an introvert. <laughs> so there's this sort of weird connection that being an introvert is, is a problem. Whereas I can absolutely categorically state that I've never heard the other side. I've never heard somebody say, you know what my problem is? I'm an extrovert. <laughs> and also what's so interesting is you think about, you know, famous introverts. I mean, we're talking about people like presidents such as JFK was a, a well-known introvert. And you would never think that, you know, I'd, I've never heard, you know, somebody like Michael Jordan say, oh, you know, what my problem is I'm an introvert. <laughs> Nobody cares. He can just play, play the game very well. That's it, isn't it? Nobody cares about that. And the, I think probably my the, my favorite story about an introvert was Warren Buffett, that when he left MIT with his degree, and he is incredibly smart, and I'm sure he is often the smartest person in the room, he actually went to enroll in Dale Carnegie's course, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because he said he didn't have a business persona, he didn't know how to bring his persona, to, but he knew he had the smarts, he knew he had the skills, but he didn't have to bring the persona. So what are your thoughts when I share that about clients saying, you know what my problem is, I'm an introvert? I think the phrase overcoming introversion is interesting because to overcome it, you have to embrace it. I don't think there's getting past it. It's recognizing that it's part of who you are and that it can be a strength. So helping people, though, understand what's happening is important. So if all of a sudden I do go quiet because I know I'm diving deeper into my thoughts to process I do tell people, hold on, I'm just having an introverted moment. I'm processing just so they don't feel like I'm not listening. I'm actually deeply listening and that I'm processing. So what I am about to say next, hopefully will be really helpful and insightful. So I think helping people understand who you are as you're going through it, it helps you embrace it. And then they start to recognize, oh, she's having an introverted moment. Here we go. We're about to have something good come back. And they give you the space to think. So I, I do think there is uh, beauty to it. I think that introversion actually does make you a really good negotiator because you when listen. you're listening mm -hmm. to all the angles, oh, yes. you're listening deeply for what people actually want versus what they need. Um, and you can come up with solutions because it's not about an aggressive negotiation or a conversation, but really coming up with a solution that works for two organizations. I think that's also conflict management as well. I've always shied away from conflict because I've thought of it as loud, but actually conflict's really important and knowing how to manage it and listen deeply to it and figure out what's the root of it makes you very successful in business. And I think that is a strength of someone who really does like to listen. Well, yes, and I'm sure you've read as much as I have that there is that view that introverts actually are better listeners than extroverts. And I love the fact, I love that I'm having an introverted moment. I think that's absolutely genius because what you're sharing with people is I'm, I'm listening so intently that I'm almost lost in deep thought of what your challenge is and how I can help you. And so that's a great way of signaling what you're doing. Because to be fair, if somebody is sitting very, very quietly, I can understand why the other person, the conversation or the other person might be thinking, are they, have, are they listening? Are they not listening? Are they, is there a problem? I would be concerned in that scenario that the person I was talking to, that there was an issue somewhere and I wouldn't know what it was. And then 
trying to maybe fill the gap, which is worse because then you're like, no, I'm, I just need the minute to pause and think. Whereas I'm, I'm concerned that there's a problem and I'm trying to fill the gap. So there's almost that kind of clash of styles, isn't there? Whereas you saying I'm having that introvert moment, I think that's absolutely genius. And hopefully to everyone listening who has these moments, they can, or they can fill in their own, fill in the gap. I'm having a, a moment. No. <laughs> and I think that. To that point, though, you can't just disappear. You have to come back. And that's where you have to have your voice. And I think there are two things to that. One is for people where having a voice and speaking comes naturally, making space for other people in a conversation is critical because it makes it easier for them. But I think on the second part of that is learning how to speak up in a way that people will understand is important. So when I was in some of my first leadership meetings, I would listen very deeply. I'd take notes, I'd have ideas. And then after the meeting, I'd share my ideas with the CEO. And he would say, why didn't you say that in the meeting? That might have changed the direction that we decided to go. And now it's a bit late. And either we revisit this in the next meeting and we lose a couple weeks time or we try to regroup via email, which just isn't as important or as impactful. And so learning how to speak up in the right moments is critical. And it takes a lot of confidence and it does take a lot of practice. But there are tricks and I've learned a lot of tricks through coaching where you can use your body language, you can use your voice, you can even take a deep breath so it looks like you're about to say something and then get everyone's attention. So there are lots and lots of different tricks to get attention when you're quiet could you show on those, one or two of those now that some of the tricks that you use? Because I think this is brilliant and I know so many people have this challenge. So it'd be great if you can show one or two of your tricks here today. Yeah, absolutely. So something I was <laughs> really bad at with was I would sit behind the table, behind the desk, and I'd just be quietly listening. And then I'd want to say something and I would just say it. And the conversation would be bouncing around and i just try to say it. But what happened was by the time people heard it or were paying attention to it, the energy had fizzled out and they, they didn't hear it or listen to it as well as possibly they could had I delivered it better. So something like actually leaning forward on the table, taking a deep breath, showing that you want to intervene gives a really good physical indication that, hey, I want to enter this conversation because I'm actually using my body and my hands on the desk to show you I want to say something. And then you hold that moment until people are looking at you and then you say it. Again, as an introvert, that's a bit intimidating because you don't necessarily want people looking all the time. But when you want to make a point, it is important. The other thing that I learned was because I was introverting and processing within myself, I wasn't taking people on a journey. And I needed people to understand how I heard one comment and then another comment, comment A and B and made C. So I had to take them back through that journey of how I processed the information so that then they would be on board with what I'm talking about with regards to what I'm saying. So always making sure to take people on the journey because they've not been in that processing moment within your mind. Yeah, walking through the thinking and connecting yes. the dots for people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think there's often we can make assumptions that people will follow our thought process because it's obvious it's our thought process. Surely, surely that's clear to everybody else. 
And yes, no, it's important. I, I think that's a brilliant point. It, it's really important to take people on the journey with you. And then, and also when you realize that maybe your thought or your idea hasn't landed is to go back and say, okay, I, I'm going to go back a step. So here's what I was thinking at the start. Here's what I'm thinking there. And that's what brought me to the conclusion that I've just shared with you. And we can sometimes give other people, we have too much a high expectation of them keeping up with our, with our processes and not realizing that actually, and you can always go back. You can always go back and say, Oh, let's go back to that point. You know, let me be clearer. Let, let me explain in a, in a different way. I, you know, I need to be clearer and let's clarify. And it's, you can go back and start again. So I think that's one of the things that I hear again from clients is that oh, I went through it. They didn't get it and we moved on. It's like, no, no, you can always say pause. Hang on. I want to go back. Can I just go back? Cause I don't think I've done a great job of, of sharing this with everybody. I think that's also important to put forward because often. You'll hear people, once you start doing it yourself, you'll hear other people doing it more often than you realize. And, and it's a weird one, isn't it? That you hear other people doing it and then you're suddenly aware of it and you're like, oh, okay, if others do it, then it's okay for me to do it too. I think the other thing that's really beneficial is if you build an ally before you go into a meeting. So if you have something really important you want to say, making sure that you've explained it, you've walked them through it so that they, you have their advanced support so that after you say it, they come back and they underline it. Hey, that's a really important point that Amanda just made. Let's, let's talk that through again. Or just having someone else in the room that, that's your ally no matter what um, in terms of whenever they hear something that you say that, they, that resonates with them, they'll underline it. You don't even have to prep them for it. Just Hey, I'm having a really hard time getting my voice into this meeting. Do you mind helping amplify what I'm saying? Yes. And if anybody who's got great ideas or anybody's got ideas, and you don't know they're great when you put the idea forward, do you? You only find out it's great later when it works out. But anybody's got ideas, it's so important that all the ideas are shared in a meeting. So I think that's a great point that you have somebody who will help amplify your ideas. Otherwise, it comes a point where you're sitting in meetings and if you're not getting a chance to say anything or people aren't hearing what you have to share, then it could be a little bit of a bit of a waste of your time and theirs, isn't it really? I do think as well. So in today's world, we are apparently are in more meetings than we ever have been. And potentially also thanks to everything being online now, you know, you, you can be in meetings back to back to back. You know, you don't have to go to, you don't have to go across the building to another meeting room, do you? You don't have to have half an hour in between because you, you can literally just cut off and go to the next one. So what are your thoughts and the fact for anybody who's sitting in meetings back to back during a day and they just think to themselves, I don't need to be here. I'm not being asked anything. I'm not getting a chance to speak up. I don't have any value to add. What is your suggestion to them to do? Take control of your life. <laughs> if you think it's not a meaning that you'll add value to and you're not needed in it, um, I would absolutely call your diary. So what, what is important? Where am I actually going to make progress? What does the business need me to do versus just every meeting that I'm included on? Because you don't have to be at every meeting. You could look at the notes afterwards. You could input before or after. I think I'm, I do this a lot to myself though. So I probably don't heed this advice as much as I should, but I do think that it is important to be, be thoughtful about your time because your company wants you to be thoughtful about your time as well. And your family wants you to be thoughtful about your time. So 
take a moment. I think every week I do a little bit of a review of what I need to be at and I'll decline or I'll ask, do you really need me in this one? And yeah, sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they say no. But it's helpful also to know why they want you in the meeting, if they want you to represent some perspective or idea. Well, that's an excellent point because you may discover actually there's a very good reason for you to be in that meeting and then you will connect your value and then you will know how to prepare and actually how you can interject and and comment and, and what will be seen as, you know, adding value and a good good action within the meeting itself. So that that's an that's an excellent point. Yes. Yeah, so it's a win-win actually from what you're saying, isn't it? It's a win. You might find you don't need to be in it or you might find there's a reason and you're better connected to it. Now at the end of every uh, session, we share a final thought in, in Elevate and I've asked you to share one of your favorite quotes with us today to finish us off. So I'll leave that to you to share. Yes, absolutely. So courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. And that's Winston Churchill. It's a very, very good quote. And I can see why you like it, because it certainly sums up what you have shared with us today. Thank you very much, Amanda. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast on the topic of epic introversion. Now go find your epic. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to learn more about any of the tools and strategies discussed, please do reach out to us on LinkedIn or contact us via the website on team at elevatetalent.co.uk. Now go find your epic.